Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambutasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambutasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambutasa. Bhutang tamang sangkang namasami. So tonight I want to speak a little bit about right speech, which is you know the first of the three areas of the second part of the training. Ayanana Bodhi yesterday spoke about yesterday and today spoke about the f- first training, which is in right understanding and in right intention, right thought. And uh, the second training is the training in ethics or moral discipline. It's basically not the way we live. So the way how we put this right understanding, right view and right thought, right intention, how we put that into practice in our lives. And. Uh, you know, in a tasty context, morality has is a sense of uh, gives a sense of obligation or obedience, you know, to a higher power or sense of constraint. Whereas within the context of Buddhism, ethics is is more seen as a means which leads to harmony and cooperation, and it's not you know not seen as a as an act of obedience but rather a, a way, you know, how we can uh, save energy, not waste our energy by creating a lot of obstacles, you know, within society or within our own minds. And uh, so mainly it's, it's about leading to harmony and reducing conflict within, you know, in, amongst people and in the family and in in communities, but also like in our own minds. And in a, in a cosmic sense, it, it uh, relates to the law of karma. So on all those three levels, starting you know, within our own mind, radiating out in, in a community, and then in a cosmic sense, it leads to <coughs> harmony. And that harmony and uh, a certain amount of, certain measure of peace, you know, they, they are a foundation for for insight to occur. And in that sense, you know, it leads to the third training in, in what's called on this paper concentration, but I would rather speak about it in terms of, you know, stability of mind or focus of mind. And that, you know, enables for a deeper insight to occur and then leads to an increasing of the first training to wisdom, which, you know, more clarity, more stronger right view and right intention and then in that sense you know this training is like a spiral going deeper and deeper into the depths of reality and uh, it starts you know with abstaining from unwholesome speech but then you know it's much more than that because it's it's designed you know to actually uh, break old habits, you know, of, of, of in an unskillful way, you know, uh, reading ourselves of 
of unease, you know, I think you probably know how it feels, you know, if, if we feel, ang you know, if anger is aroused, it's so easy, you know, to have that idea, you know, if I would just let my anger out through saying something, I'd be relieved of that unpleasant feeling, you know, and, uh, and then for a moment it even, we even feel better, you know, just for a split second we might, or maybe a bit longer than that, we might feel, oh, a sense of relief, I've gotten rid of that energy, you know, which is like, you know, racing inside the body. And then you let it out and say something nasty, and then you, for a moment you feel, <laughs> and then afterwards, you know, you feel regret or remorse, and then it takes a lot of clearing up, you know, and it would have been so much better to not say this thing. But then it's too late, you know, and if that happens several times, you know, it can really um, have a very detrimental effect on, on a relationship and might take a very, very long time to repair, you know, to repair the trust, so it's a speech, you know, it, can, it has a very powerful effect and also, you know, the written word which is also connected with speech, so those, they belong together. And, uh, you know, and in the section of, of Sila there is these two channels, you know, of how we are acting out is through speaking and through doing something or right speech and right action and then also right livelihood. So those three are in that belong to the area of Sila. And uh, and you know it can't be said often enough that it's not just like an ethical training for the purpose, you know, of not doing something unskillful, but it's, it's actually a training, a mind training, you know, by abstaining from saying something, you know, which is harming, you know, others. It's not only, you know, that we are not breaking a precept, but it's also, you know, that at the same time we are training our minds, we are turning our minds away, you know, from old ways of, of relating. And, you know, and it can be very difficult, especially with speech. We tend to speak a lot, usually, if we're not in retreat. So there's lots of uh, opportunities, you know, to, to say something unwholesome. And, uh, you know, this, uh, the precept itself, you know, is actually only taking care of lying. It's, it's if you translate the... the as the second precept is no, it's not the second. It's the it's the fourth precept. It's it speaks only about uh, lying. But right speech has three more areas: divisive speech, abstaining from divisive speech, abstaining from harsh speech, and abstaining you know from idle chatter, you know, frittering time away by just kind of speaking just something in order to. Speak you know, kind of fill the space. And uh, the most basic aspect of a right speech is truthfulness. You know, refraining from speaking that which isn't true and, and, at the, and also in speaking the truth, you know, if one is asked or if one is in a situation, you know, where that is, is the right thing to do. And, you know, it's, the 
have read in, in a book. Bhikkhu Bodhi's book says that you know when the when the Buddha was on his journey towards Buddhahood when he was a Bodhisattva, he, that in that on that journey he has been breaking all the precepts, but he's always spoken the truth, and because of that you know he could continue his journey, even he sometimes broke the precepts. And uh, you know, speaking the truth sounds kind of straightforward, but is is not so easy actually if you look more into the details of it because you are also you know we can you know not speak the truth sometimes by exaggerating or by not saying something yeah by om- omitting to say something or by just keeping silent you know being a, a quote unquote innocent bystander you know if you if we are seeing something which is harmful, you know, and not saying something or turning away, it's in some way also, you know, breaking this precept. And uh, so, you know, if we are becoming aware that we are doing this, then it's very important to to um, investigate our motivation, you know, why are we are not saying something or why do we say something, what's behind it, you know. What is there fear, jealousy, envy? You know, there are so many different motivations which can be behind non-truthful speech. And uh, you know, the main problem, you know, if we are, you know, kind, of, it can, you know, start with a little non-truthful utterance, you know, and then you, you have to say something else in order to shore that up, and then one more, one more, and it just becomes very complicated, very complex. And uh, if that happens uh, you know, a few times in a relationship, it can totally erode the trust, you know, in a relationship, and can be very difficult to rebuild. And there is a quote, you know, from the scriptures from the Anguttara Nikaya, where the Buddha speaks about you know, this kind of uh, right speech in terms of truthfulness. And he says, being at a meeting or amongst people or in the midst of his relatives or in a society or in the king's court and called upon and asked as witness to tell what she knows, she answers, if she knows nothing, I know nothing. And if she knows, she answers, I know. If she has seen nothing, she answers, I have seen nothing. And if she has seen, she answers, I have seen. Thus she never knowingly speaks a lie, either for the sake of her own advantage or for the sake of another person's advantage or for the sake of any advantage whatsoever. And then, you know, it goes on further than, you know, speaking like this, then in the midst of any assembly that person has a has a measure of confidence, you know, because she knows she has been speaking the truth. And then also, you know, to notice that if we have a strong, you know, desire or a strong idea in a certain area that the mind tends to kind of put things together in a way which which supports our ideas about 
something. And, you know, and then we tend to speak in this way also about the situation. So to really kind of notice, you know, what, what is going on and, and, and then, you know, if, if we're waking up, you know, from such a illusion, you know, to, to just be really honest about it. And, uh, you know, if, if, if uh, behind speaking, not truthful, if that is not coming, you know, from an intention to deceive, it is much less uh, unwholesome in a comic sense, but you know. But if we are knowing that we are not speaking the truth because we have a certain desire, you know, in mind, then it's comically much more heavy. And uh, in the suttas, there is a there's a, a sutta where the Buddha addresses his, his uh, son Rahula when he is still quite young and he explains to him, you know, the uh, importance of, of speaking the truth. And, and he, he has a bowl with a little water in it and then he says to his son, you know, uh, somebody who is not afraid of speaking a deliberate lie with, makes very little spiritual progress, just, just as this little water in the bowl. And then he, he discards the water and he says, you know, somebody who is not afraid of telling a lie is just discarding his spiritual progress by telling a lie. And, and then he uses that same bowl and turns it upside down and says, one who tells a deliberate lie turns his spiritual progress upside down and becomes incapable of any progress. So, you know, telling a lie and knowing that one is telling a lie and doing that with intention is, you know, a real big obstacle on the path. You know, and even in, if that is done only, you know, in chest, uh, only making a joke, because it just, um, you know, trains the mind in the wrong direction. And then the second aspect of uh, right speech is uh, refraining from divisive speech, refraining from, you know, slander or gossip or tail-bearing and setting, you know, creating disharmony in relationships. And uh, I've brought a quote for that as well. What he has heard, he does not repeat there so as to cause dissension there. And what he has heard there, he does not repeat here so as to cause dissension here. Thus he unites those who are divided and those who are united he encourages. Concord gladdens him. He delights and rejoices in concord, and it is concord that he spreads by his words. So you know, if we if we feel like a sense of you know having a wish, you know, to to actually, you know, create disharmony amongst others. It's really very important to come back 
what's the motivation, you know, is there, why do we want to do this and really kind of hold that in awareness and, and, and not act on it, not speak on it. This is very important. And uh, because, you know, you probably have noticed that if we have conversations a lot of the time we speak about others in conversation. What others have been saying, what others have been doing, it's, it's a lot, especially, you know, when we are like in, 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 in small talk, you know, when we, we speak with others who, you know, on a, at a meeting or something like this or in a work situation, it's, it's very easy, you know, to kind of get used to that and, and uh, you know, looking at the magazines, looking at uh, the media, there's a lot of that happening all the time. So it's it's very easy, you know, to to get used to it and and not have any sense of uh, better right word, you know, just not being aware how harmful that can become in terms of you know training the mind in 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 the wrong way. And it's really important, you know, to also you know, look at the motivation, you know, what's, what's the intention here, you know, what do I want to, what's the aim here? And also feeling, you know, that sometimes it can come from, from our own pain, you know, about our own situation and just trying to kind of make ourselves feel better by speaking about others. And then the third one is uh, refraining from harsh and abusive speech or angry speech. It's, it's about the emotional tone when we are speaking. And, you know, the energy behind our words. You know, as I said before, we tend to have, you know, it's so easy to get rid of, of, a, of pain by just throwing it out. You know, in body language, we can do that as well, and in speech in particular. Or like sarcasm, you know, the way we can say something which is actually literally quite nice, but the way how we are saying it, you know, conveys a very, can be a very painful message, you know, which we convey in that, in that way. And it tends to close down, you know, communication closes the heart and also you know mindful listening you know how 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 difficult it is you know to keep an open mind if we are if somebody addresses us in an angry way you know the heart just closes down it's very difficult to hear what that person wants to say to us and uh, it's very difficult to keep an open mind when, you know, when we get that strong energy thrown at us. And, you know, if we can keep, you know, the mind open, if we can keep mindful, then, you know, it is possible, you know, to distinguish our reaction from what the person actually wants to say. And we can particularly observe that, you know, when 
uh, when we deal with children, it's relatively easy. You know, they can throw a tantrum, and we still, you know, keep an open mind. But if if an uh, 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 adult is doing that, is much more difficult because we feel threatened. You know, with a child, it's much easier. But it's you know, it's a it's a it's a good way to start. And then the fourth aspect is uh, useless and frivolous speech. And in the Pali word for that is says it all is sampa palapa. So this is exactly, and we in German we say plappen. It's actually quite similar to the Pali word. And you know, refraining from useless talk, and also you know, for example the media, you know, the radio, TV, and all these kinds of uh, machines, you know, producing sound. Some, sometimes, you know, when I go to visit friends or so, I notice that some people, they have on the radio or the TV the whole day, you know, in the background, and they don't really listen to what is, what is being said, but if, it's, if, they, if it wouldn't be turned on, they, they just feel like, Uneasy, you know. They have to have constantly some some sound backdrop, and that's something you know which is really not very conducive for peaceful mind. And and the, you know, small talk. Sometimes it's a it's a thing really necessary to do, you know, in order to make other people feel comfortable enough, you know, in a in a, in certain social situations. But it's it's still kind of important, you know, to keep aware of why we are doing this and and not doing more than what's really necessary to, you know, make the situation okay. And even you know, in the suttas, most suttas, you know, when the Buddha receives a visitor or somebody who comes to him, ask a question, there's always a certain, you know, amount of polite, courteous talk in the beginning and then he cuts to the, you know, he cuts to the chase and speaks about the teaching. But in the beginning he is doing a little bit of that to make the person feel at ease, you know, and that the person lends an ear but he doesn't go on forever, you know, speaking like that. So a little bit is, is, is good. <coughs> so basically, you know, it's, it's uh, through right speech we are cultivating wholesome mind states, like loving-kindness and compassion and uh, sympathetic joy. That's the mind states, you know, which we should emphasize in, in uh, speaking in a way, you know, which helps us in, in training the mind towards, you know, a greater capacity to stay open, no matter, you know, what other people bring to us or other situ or situations bring to us. And, uh, and also, you know, it, uh, truthful speech aligns us with truth, of course, you know, and with the way things really are. And 
even though sometimes it might not be easy to speak the truth. And uh, there's a quote in the Anguttara Nikaya where the Buddha speaks about the five factors of right speech. And he says, because possessing five factors, speech is well spoken, not badly spoken. It is blameless and beyond reproach by the wise. What five? It is spoken at the proper time. What is said is true. It is spoken gently. What is said is beneficial. And it is spoken with a mind of loving kindness. You know, and, and while I'm reading that, I'm, I'm very aware it's a very high bar, you know, to meet. And uh, I'm not very good at that myself. But it's just, uh, you know, it's a very good guidelines to reflect upon. It's spoken at the proper time. It can be, you know, very difficult sometimes if we like, if the emotions are aroused, you know, anger or fear, you know, then it's it's very hard, you know, to kind of hold back and wait. And what is said is true. It is spoken gently, and is beneficial, you know, in, in terms of leading to harmony and cooperation amongst people. And it's said with a mind of loving kindness. So yeah, it's a very difficult uh, area of the path because we, we speak so much, you know, outside of retreat. And there are so many opportunities to get it wrong. <laughs> And, uh, but you know, if we have a, a, a proper understanding of, of uh, right view, what Anna body was speaking about yesterday, you know, about the, the karma we make, you know, if we are speaking in a way which is creating disharmony and it's creating, you know, it's creating pain for others, then that can help us, you know, to, to master the energy, to to follow those five factors, you know, which I have just been mentioning. Because it, if we do that, we quite often have to hold back, and then that holding back, you know, creates unpleasant feeling. And, you know, to be able to stay steady with that long enough, you know, until it settles, and then, you know, we, there's more steadiness and more clarity, and then speak from that, you know which is, is much more effective if it's not, you know, coming from that strong uh, need of getting something or, you know, stopping something, but if it comes from a sense of uh, openness, you know. And as I said before, you know, that's not because we, we don't want to break the precept, but it's that's also one reason. But mainly it is about, you know, um, interrupting unwholesome habits, you know, and turning the mind towards the unconditioned, you know, doing that in, in the service of liberating the mind from unskillful habits. 
And the precept is just a skillful means, you know, for that aim. That is the because the noble eightfold path is not about, you know, being a, a good boy or a good girl. The noble eightfold path is about liberating the mind. And the precepts are just stepping stones for that purpose. So I think that's all I wanted to share today. If I speak little, I can't not make many mistakes. (laughs) Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.